Okay, good evening. Glad to see you all uh, make it out tonight as we continue our uh, study in Ephesians. Uh, We'll be in chapter 4, verses 17 through 32 tonight. So we're going to cover the second half of uh, chapter 4 of Ephesians. And um, hopefully uh, you've been enjoying this study as much as I have. Uh, I've enjoyed going through uh, here verse by verse and kind of picking out some of the, the detail that I think we need to uh, kind of emphasize and, and uh, learn for our lives. And so it's been a real good study for me and hopefully for you as well. Uh, of course, you know, I, I keep mentioning this, but, you know, Ephesians is pretty easy to outline. The first three chapters are uh, specifically more about the church. Uh, some, sometimes it's referred to as uh, the, 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 glory, or the purpose of the glorious church. And then chapters 4, 5, and 6 is the practice of the glorious church. And so we are in chapter 4. We are in that second half of the, of the outline of the book of Ephesians where we're talking more about uh, the practice of Christianity. Uh, things that Paul wants uh, Christians to know uh, how to live, how to act as the church. And so these are more um, practical, more doctrinal in nature. And we're really going to see some of that tonight uh, because uh, tonight's lesson is entitled Warnings. And Paul is going to give the uh, Christians in Ephesus a lot of warnings um, of how uh, they need to uh, stop living uh, their lives or walking as the Gentiles uh, did or how they lived in the past and start living a life for Christ, a more Christ-like life. Again, Scripture is filled with warnings. Uh, some of these warnings are, are, honestly, they're pretty overt. They're pretty simple and plain to the point. Um, not that you need to turn here, but in Deuteronomy chapter 28, you know, uh, Moses is in front of the, the children of Israel. And in verse 15, he says this, he says, but it shall come about if you do not obey the Lord your God to observe, to do all his commands and his statutes with, with which I charge you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. And so from verse 16 all the way through verse 68 of that chapter, so, you know, pretty much a little over 50-some verses, he is going to lay out all of these warnings for the the children of Israel. Uh, Joshua does something very similar in his leadership. In Joshua uh, chapter 24, verse 20, he, he tells them, He says, if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he has done good to you. So again, pretty blunt, you know, some of these warnings that we read about in Scripture. And like these two, of course, the prophets were just like this. The prophets um, that we read about, uh, Ezekiel, uh, he was told that he by God that he was going to be God's watchman and it was going to be his job to warn the people for him. And if you remember that, that line, that, that verse in Amos, Amos 4.12, he said, you know, prepare to meet your God, right? The very blunt, very forward, um, these warnings that we see in Scripture. And do individuals appreciate being warned, you think? Not really. Not really? <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, you know, think about some, some of the things in our uh, daily lives, um, you know, we benefit from smoke alarms, right? That's a, that's a type of warning. 
Uh, traffic lights, you know, they warn us. As soon as it starts turning yellow and red, th- that warns us to stop. Uh, we can think of, you know, tornado sirens warning us. We, we have no problem with some of these uh, types of warnings, um, you know, malware warnings, you know, uh, virus things on our computers that are going to catch uh, viruses. Um, we have no problem with those, but when, um, but when the prophets and when, you know, uh, in the Old Testament or whether the preachers in the New Testament or, or the preachers today or, or whoever it may be that's teaching out of God's word, you know, it's a little bit tougher when it comes to our spiritual lives, right? Uh, individuals don't necessarily like to be warned. Uh, does, that, does that make sense? When it comes to our spiritual lives, you know, people will get um, upset uh, by being warned, uh, even though, you know, hopefully that warning is coming out of love from the individual that, that's teaching that or, or, or showing a person a passage of Scripture and say, listen, I want to warn you about where your life is head, headed if uh, you don't make some changes here. You know, again, you know, if we were to look in the prophets, you know, Isaiah... I remember Isaiah in chapter 30, verse 10, you know, the people said, you know, speak to us pleasant words or soft words, prophesy illusions to us. You know, that's what the people want to hear. Of course, I think we're all familiar with 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, when Paul said, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Remember this? And he says, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they're going to accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires, and they're going to turn away from the truth, and they're going to turn aside to myth. Right? People want to have their ears tickled. Again, not necessarily um, heeding these warnings, but nevertheless, warnings still need to be sounded. And so in our text uh, that we're going to look in in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 32, Paul is going to do this very thing. You know, as we've gone through this book, we recall that you know, Paul is thankful for these Christians in Ephesus that have enjoyed the blessings found you know, being in Christ. You know, that was really chapter 1. Chapter 2, he's thankful that they've been saved by God's grace. In chapter 3, you know, he, he's thankful that they are going to be um, confident and are going to be able to carry out the responsibility God has them for the church. Right? Remember, that they're going to be the ones to um, spread the gospel. Uh, they're they're going to be in charge of um, making sure that the manifold wisdom of God is going to go out um, to, to the world. And then last week, you know, we, we talked about unity in the first 16 verses of chapter 4. You know, and Paul was thankful for uh, this unity. And, and so then we get to our uh, scriptures tonight, verses 17 through 32. And Paul starts off in verse 17 saying this, he says, So this, this I say and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer, just as the Gentiles also walk, in the futility of their mind. And so, you know, Paul's challenging them, right, to live differently, right? You were once part of the world, but now you're not of the world anymore. You're, you're in Christ, and you need to live differently. Uh, you need to li- live from or different from the life that you, you knew. And he, he kind of, first he admonishes them. Uh, did you pick that up? That, that this message is not from Paul himself, but he says, so this I say and affirm together with the Lord. Right? This is coming from the Lord. 
And so this isn't something that they can just push off or this, is, this isn't advice that they can ignore, but they need to pay attention to this because this is coming from the Lord and God desires them to live differently from the Gentiles. And then notice he also says um, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk. So he's admonishing them to avoid the things that they formerly practiced. They, they formerly practice these things and no longer do these, you know, no longer walk like this. Again, I think we've mentioned this before, but, you know, walking is just simply an analogy of how, you know, one lives their Christian life. Right? Instead, of, instead of saying um, something to the effect of uh, just as the Gentiles live their life, he, he, he uses an analogy of walking. Right? And we understand that as we walk through life. You know, some of us are at the beginning, some are towards the middle, you know, some of us are towards the end of this walk. And he says, uh, you know, this, this is what the gospel is all about, right? Uh, that, that as we are walking now in Christ, that we are going to allow the word of God to change us, to uh, make us better. And at one time we were doing these things, but now uh, we no longer are going to do those. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verses 9 and 11, you know, Paul said something very similar uh, about the Christians there in Corinth. He said, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And then listen to what he says in verse 11. He says, Such were some of you. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. Right, so Paul here in Corinth, he's saying, you know, you guys were once practicing these different, you know, sinful lifestyles. But in verse 11, he says, you know, such were some of you. Right. But, but you're no longer doing that because you were washed, meaning they were baptized and they were now just or they were sanctified, meaning God has set them apart. And they're now justified, uh, meaning their, their sins have been forgiven. And because they are now in Christ, um, you know, they no longer practice those things. And so, again, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, he says there, again, that this is coming from the Lord, that the Lord wants you to no longer walk as you previously walked. And then finally, he says, um, in the futility of their mind. You know, and Paul's showing here that, you know, really uh, ungodliness, uh, wickedness is a behavior that begins in the mind right? or, or in the heart. Remember, the mind and the biblical mind and the biblical heart are pretty much, they're the same thing. They're used interchangeably throughout Scripture. Um, it's, it's the, you know, the spirit of the person, the, the, the inner man, those things. And so he says, these things you know, they begin in the mind. And, you know, that makes sense because, you know, Jesus also mentions something uh, very differently or, or not very differently, but similarly in Matthew 15, he said, you know, those things. It's not what goes inside the man that defiles him, but it's what, you know, comes out of him. And so, um, you know, again, Paul said in Romans chapter 12, you know, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? Don't conform to the world and to the world's way of doing things, but let your mind be transformed, right? Uh, don't, don't live like you used to, 
Don't be conformed to the world, but let your mind be transformed um, to the renewing of your mind. You know, because our thoughts lead to actions. And that's what Paul's getting at. You know, it's, the, it's what's inside the heart that uh, defiles the man. Um, so changing the outside without changing the inside, you know, it, it's like putting clean clothes on, you know, a child that's always playing in the mud. Right? Maybe you've had one of those uh, that, that's always playing in the mud, that's always getting dirty. Right? It, it, you've got to change the inside uh, first. So that, you know, they, they understand that, um, you know, mom and dad don't want to wash any more dirty clothes. And understand that, um, that, that that's uh, tough for them. And so, you know, again, Paul's saying here that is that, you know, you were once walking just like the Gentiles did. But now that you um, are Christians, now that you are in Christ, uh, no, no longer walk like them. They're walking aimlessly. They're, they're walking without hope. And then he goes on verses 18 and 19 and says um, about this walk that they, the Gentiles are in. It says, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their hearts. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. And so... You know, he's, he's concluding his thoughts about, you know, the mind, uh, thinking wrongly, thinking ungodly. It produces spiritual problems. Their hearts have been darkened. They, they've been hardened. They've been calloused. You know, it, maybe um, one of the first jobs you ever had uh, was a dishwasher. I don't know if anyone's uh, ever done that, but, you know, if, if you were a dishwasher, you know, and you go for the first time, you know, and you take one of those hot plates out, it's going to sting a little bit, right? It's going to be hot. It's going gonna, it's gonna to burn your hand. But over time, you're going to build up that, that callus on your hand. It's going to become easier and easier each time you, you grab uh, another plate out of there. And that's the idea here is that, you know, your conscience, um, you know, the first time that you might commit a, a specific sin, um, it's going to hurt. Right? It, you're going to feel it. You're going to think, Wow, should I really have done that? But over time, you know, our, our hearts bec- can become callous to those things. They can become darkened, uh, hardened. And over time, you don't see anything wrong with what you're doing. And, and that's uh, the life of the Gentiles that Paul's explaining. And then look at verses 20 through 24. He says, But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, Just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. All right, so now he's switching gears here and saying, uh, you know, you didn't learn Christ this way. Right? Christ didn't live a life of selfishness, uh, lacking restraint. You know, this is exactly the opposite uh, of the way that they should be uh, living. You know, Jesus expects us to refrain from living self-indulging lives. Right? He told us that we need to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him. Right? Put him first in our lives. Um, make him the priority and not our own wants and, and needs. 
And then he says, um, then he, he talks about laying aside, putting aside our old self. Remember a couple of weeks ago in chapter 3, uh, he gave us uh, an, an analogy about the, the inner man and the outer man. Well, now he's, he's using different terms, uh, talking about the same thing. But now he's saying um, we need to lay aside the old and put on the new. Right? So, so no longer walking uh, in, in this way of the Gentiles. You know, put those things off and now let's, let's walk um, in the renewing of our mind. And, you know, we make that choice, right, each and every day, the Christian does, of, of living a life for him. You know, of course, we're not going to be perfect. You know, we're going to slip up every now and then. But what's uh, John say in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7? He says, as if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with him, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sins, right? And so the Christian is going to... Um, continue to try to do his best each and uh, each and every day, and um, you know again, you know he's telling the Ephesians, you did not learn Christ in this way. Now, when we move into verses twenty-five through twenty-nine, this is, this is a very interesting uh, section, I believe, because um, Paul's moving more from um, broad topics uh, uh, to more specific. You know, he's going from the general. Uh, to a specific, and he's identifying these things that the Christians need to concern themselves with. Uh, he's going to talk about being truthful, about having self-control, about being honest, and about having purity in their speech. And he doesn't simply just list um, uh, things to avoid. You know, a lot of places in Scripture, uh, Paul especially, will list, you know, well, we just read one in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. In Colossians chapter 3, he does something very similar. Uh, he says in uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse, uh, verse 8, he says, But now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Okay, He's going to do this as well in Ephesians. But in these next few verses, he's going to uh, give them the, 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 the vice that they have, and he's going to tell them a virtue uh, to replace it with. So again, a very interesting section in Scripture that Paul is going to tell them to stop doing this and start doing this. And of course, we don't always see that in Paul's writing, but uh, it's, it's pretty interesting that he does this. And so the first one he counterbalances in verse 25. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Right? Stop lying and start being truthful uh, to one another. You know, why do individuals lie? Let me ask that. Okay. Yeah, they're trying to uh, gain an advantage. They're trying to get something. That it's, it's basically born out of selfishness. Right? And so uh, Paul says... You know, stop lying or stop being untruthful. You know, this could be deception. It could be distorting the truth. It could be exaggerating. It could be cheating, failing to keeping promises, you know, making excuses. Kind of all of those things fall under this, this, this range of, of falsehood. Stop doing this. You know, not only because we belong to God, but why else does he say in that verse? 
see. So it's not only because you know you're gods, right? Because you're in Christ, but also because of one another, right? Don't be deceitful because uh, we are all members of one another. You know, if we kind of you know use the analogy that he uses, Paul uses in First Corinthians about you know the, the different body parts or the different members uh, uh, that make up the, the church. You know, if a uh, you know, if our brain is going to lie to our hands, you know, how easy is it going to be to, you know, miss our mouth or, or you know, something's coming at our face and, you know, is the brain going to be able, is the, if the brain is deceitful um, to, the, to the hand, you know, how much of an advantage is that going to be? And that doesn't make sense in that realm and it shouldn't make sense here as well in the church. Again, he says, uh, therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. And then he talks in, in this next two verses about anger. Right? He says, stop, stop with this unrestrained anger. Yeah, Mike. I want to back up to that line part. Okay. This is the truth for all of us. When he talks about members of one another, he's talking Yes. And how it's viewed by those we're trying to reach. Yeah, so, yeah, d- definitely, uh, you know, our, our, a name means something, right? A name means something. And so, you know, if we're lying to one another, um, the body is not going to be working uh, cohesively as it should, as he talked about in chapter 3. Um, and so, um, so good points there. And uh, so first he says, uh, you need to stop lying and start being truthful. And then the second thing he says, you know, you need to stop being angry and you start needing, you need to start reconciling. Now, is, is anger a wrong? Is anger wrong? Is it wrong to be angry? Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's not wrong to be angry, but it, but it can be dangerous, right? And so let's see what he says here in verses 26 and 27. He says, be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. So he does, he states that right at the beginning. He says, be angry, yet do not sin, right? There's a righteous type of anger. We, we know Christ a couple of times in scripture was angry, um, but he never let that anger get out of control. He never uh, let it uh, become bitter, and he took care of it. And that's what the verse is saying. You know, be angry, yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Right? Take care of this now. Um, don't, uh, and then he says, don't give the devil an opportunity. Don't give him a place. You know, don't give him a, fo- a foothold or, or something. I, I, the idea here is, you know, you got this, you know, big like hole in the ground and the devil's down in there and he's got maybe a hand grabbed on the side of it or, or he's got a foot, you know, caught on a ledge or something like that. And it says, and he's saying, don't even give him an opportunity. Don't give him a foothold, right? Let him fall down in that hole, you know, because, you know, if, if you don't take care of this, this anger, uh, 
you know, before it, um, before it gets bitter, before it grows, um, you know, he's going he's gonna to have his foothold in there. Right? He's going to have his foot in the door. He's not going to let it close. And that's what we don't want. You know, a lot of times, you know, I, you know when I've thought about this verse, I've always, you know, applied it uh, to, you know, my marriage. And I've really never thought about it, you know, outside of marriage. You know, it was just, it was a verse that always was on my mind. You know, if, if my wife and I were upset with each other, you know, let's make sure we take care of it before we, we uh, you know, go to sleep or before we turn in for the night. But, you know, the, this can apply to any aspect of life, um, you know, with, with, with our friends, with our, with our children, with our neighbor. You know, don't let anger control us. You know, take care of it before, um, you know, something worse happens, goes down the road. Uh, what, James says something about this uh, in chapter 1 of his epistle, uh, verse 9, or verse James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, he says, you know, this you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. All right, so we want to um, limit uh, anger. We want to take care of it uh, before it, it grows into something um, that the devil can, again, you know, put that foothold or can, you know, grab onto the ledge and, you know, have a chance of getting out of that hole, right? So, um, so take care of your, your anger by timely reconciliation. And then in verse 28, he gives another one. He says, he who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who is in need. So stop stealing and start sharing, right? start working. Again, um, honest labor and generosity were to replace theft and greed. We know this, this was sort of a problem in Thessalonia, right? If you've you know, studied first and second um, Thessalonians, you know, they, the, the Christians there had a false view that Christ was going to be coming back you know, soon. And so some of them pretty much stopped working. They, they stopped uh, doing things. And, and, uh, and Paul had to get on them a couple of times. Um, in, chapter, or in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11, he said, And make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and work with your hands just as we commanded you. And then in the second book, in chapter 3, verse 10, he said, For even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. Now, this isn't the same situation going on in Ephesus. You know, it's, it's not a problem of, of being lazy or, or thinking that the Lord's returning soon, so I don't need to, uh, you know, put any effort into anything anymore. But it appears that, you know, um, there was a problem with uh, stealing, with, with theft in, in Ephesus. And so he's saying, stop, stop thieving, stop stealing in, uh, in this verse here, in verse 28, and, and start working with your hands. Right? Work is, it's beneficial, right? He even says this in verse 28. He says, perform with your own hands what is good, right? It's a good thing. Are people happier when, when they're working, when they're busy? Yeah. I mean, I can remember, you know, 
as my previous life of sitting in a cubicle and, and and the days went by faster and they were more you know they were more exciting if uh, if a life of an accountant can be exciting when you were busy right when you were doing uh, things meaningful things that were um, you know contributing to the to the uh, the project that you're working on or the company or, or the school district in my case you know it, it um, it's you know, you're happier, you, know, you feel respected, you feel like you're accomplishing tasks, you know, you're earning a living for you and your family. You're providing the means to share with one another, he says in this, in this verse. Um, you know, share while you can, right? Because one day the roles might be reversed. You know, one day you might be the one that's in need and, um, and you can't, and you need help and is somebody going to be willing to share with you? And then in verse 29, he, here's the last one that he says. He says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. So get rid of unwholesome words. You know, stop, stop with the foul language. Stop with the abusive language. And start using helpful speech. Uh, this word unwholesome is sometimes translated rotten or, or worthless. You know, these are worthless words. They're rotten words. You know, stop using these. And again, uh, these could be curse words. This could be gossip. It could be slander. It could be inappropriate jokes, which Paul is going to talk about uh, in chapter 5, verse 4. So we'll look at that next week. But, you know, get these things out of your lives and start talking um, Start using words of encouragement, right? Edifying words, according to the need of the moment. He says, "You know, their their speech was supposed to build others up instead of tearing them down." Right? And, and you know, and again, the Colossian letter, you know, that we've referenced quite a bit. You know, Ephesians and Colossians are are pretty similar uh, in, this, in a lot of things they say. You know, and Paul in Colossians chapter four verse six says. You know, let your speech always be with grace, and, you know, seasoned with salt, so that, you know, you, you should be, be able to know how to respond to each person, right? And so, again, you know, it's interesting uh, in this section where Paul lists, you know, the problem that they're having, and then he tells them how to deal with it or what to do. And uh, because we have a couple minutes left, let's look at the last uh, three verses of this, of chapter four, starting in verse 30. Paul goes on to write, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. So why avoid the, this improper behavior? He tells us... Uh, the effect it has on the Holy Spirit. Right? So do not grieve the Holy Spirit. You know, and do we understand that? You know, that, that's a powerful point. Uh, you know, when, when we live or when we do something wrong, when we do something contrary to Scripture, we are grieving uh, the Holy Spirit. Uh, we are, um, uh, grieve means to cause severe mental or emotional distress. Um, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse uh, 19, he he says, you know, do not quench the spirit, right? When we're doing things contrary to the word of God, 
you know, we, we are quenching the spirit. We're grieving the spirit, meaning, you know, we're shutting it up. We're not listening to it. And, uh, and we're not um, living our lives according to God's word. And we're rejecting uh, the spirit. We're rejecting the words that the spirit has provided for us. And, and so um, instead of proceeding in a manner that shows little regard for God's plan or the spirit who revealed it, uh, we are to remove these sinful attitudes and actions from our lives. And again, he, he gives us another list here in verse 31. You know, and, and maybe uh, sometimes, you know, at least when I read these words, you know, I always kind of read, read those and some of them, they, they, they sound pretty similar. And I don't necessarily take the time to kind of, you know, define each one of them. Uh, uh, but he says, let all bitterness. Okay, so things that are hard-heartedness that harbor resentment about the past. He says, and wrath. Okay, so that's an explosive type of anger. Um, and then he says, and anger. So we've got wrath and anger. You know, again, these are things we need to get out of our lives. Wrath being an explosive type of anger, whereas anger here uh, just means something that's you know, constantly gnawing at you. Right? And we can't let it go, and we're constantly thinking about it, and it makes us angry. And then he says clamor. So this is anger manifested um, in uh, shouting outward, outwardly, a slander or evil speaking. This is speaking words of abuse and malice. This is any speech or, or even any uh, action designed to harm others, right? These are the type of things, again, the Christian needs to get out of his life um, or his or her life. It's no longer live like the Gentiles, no longer walk like them. But then in verse 32, he says, here's the antidote for those things. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Um, be kind to one another, be tenderhearted. Or compassionate. Uh, because why? Or, and forgive each other. But why? Why forgive each other? He says, because God in Christ also has uh, forgiven you. So we, we've made it through this chapter. I, think, I believe our time is up. Uh, if anyone has any comments or not. Uh, I, again, I appreciate... Uh, your attention as we keep going through the book of Ephesians, and we'll start chapter 5 next week.